0: You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a content agency that uses the power of conversation to help brands create original, authentic content. Now, it's common wisdom that marketers should avoid using jargon, right? Because, well, I think it's because it can confuse your audience, maybe sound too technical, right? In other words, you want to engage your audience not annoy them with terms that they might not understand. But is this always true or are there ways to use jargon strategically to make content to make content actually more effective. So today to help us explore these questions my guest is Andrew Schulkind, he's founder of Andigo a B2B digital marketing agency, and he is author of the book Marketing for Small B2B Businesses, How Content Creates Marketing Muscle and Powers Traditional Digital and Empowers Traditional and Digital Marketing. Andrew, it is great to have you on the show.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. Great to be here. And that is quite the, you know, the obligatory too long subtitle. <laughs> right. It's a mouthful. <laughs> right,
0: right. But you know, that's what subtitles are for. Just a little extra, you know, got to let the people know what the book is about, right? So, and now I know that one thing that you write about in the book, you cover a lot of ground in the book, but one thing in particular that we're going to zero in on today is the use of jargon in content, like, which I, like I said before, I think the general understanding is don't do that. You know, it's, it's more, does more harm than good, but the point you make in the book is that's not. Necessarily, always true. So, what's so what's wrong with the way of thinking that never ever use jargon and it is verboten? What's the problem there?
1: Well, you know, I think that the conventional wisdom, just to establish that and make sure we we we've got that sort of common frame of reference, is that jargon you lose people because they don't understand what it is. You annoy them again because they don't understand what you're talking about, and most importantly, from a marketing perspective you make them feel stupid. And mm. that's just not the frame of mind you want anyone in if you're trying to convince and convert. them, Right. So all of that may be true in some circumstances. I'm sure it is true. And jargon isn't something to use without being careful and thoughtful about how you're going to use it and, and where you're going to use it. But it definitely does have its place. So I'll share with you my my chicken story. Um, Okay. Yeah. I think really kind of brings it to light and it's a, it's a great example. So a marketing pundit shared a story uh, on his blog some time ago while I was writing the book actually about walking into his, you know, everyday neighborhood supermarket, not Whole Foods, not some fancy place, you know, high end organic market, just a, a neighborhood place with, you know, canned soup and all those crazy foods in the frozen foods aisle. Right. And he goes by the meat section and he sees the sign that says, we will spatchcock your chickens and he goes to town on that saying it's inappropriate it's jargon no one's going to understand what it means it's going to be ignored at best or it's going to turn people off and as i read that i thought mm, i don't i don't think that's right i think it, that's exactly wrong as a matter of fact and starting to think through it i realized well first of all he knew what it meant as he made very clear in in the article second if it's ignored What's really the issue there? There, yes, you could you could call that an opportunity cost, right? There could have been another sign in its place instead of the sign about spatchcocking chickens, but I'm not sure that's really going to turn people off. A lot of people will ignore it because they won't know what it means, but those who know, they'll be really excited, right? Because even if they shop at some fancy standalone butcher store, you know, right down the street, they still have to come here for that that canned soup and crazy frozen food stuff or, you know, if they're having a Super Bowl party or whatever, right? So, they're going to be there and now they see this sign about spatchcocking chickens and they realize, hey, I don't always want to make two stops. I could get a spatchcock chicken here for, you know, grilling on, on a Saturday night. So, in essence, we have Upsold a customer, right? They're already in a store for one thing and now you can let them know you you offer something else. So to me that's a really great use of jargon. I think it's a very specific use and it's a great example more broadly of how speaking your prospects language makes jargon an appropriate part of your of your marketing toolkit. Okay. Let's
0: let's unpack that a little bit because that's a really interesting example. First of all, what does spatchcocking a chicken
1: mean? <laughs> <laughs> spatchcocking as i understand it is breaking the bones in the back of the chicken so that it can lie flat like you can open it up like a book almost uh-huh. and that way you don't have to if you put it on a grill you don't have to worry about some parts of it cooking faster than other parts everything cooks you know pretty much at the same time although i'm sure you still have the white meat versus dark meat kind yeah of a, a situation to deal with but that's okay it just it opens up like that
0: okay interesting so number one spatchcocking a chicken if Audience, if you've never heard that, we learned a new word today, right? Kind of like the sound of that. I imagine for myself, if I walk into that grocery store and I see a sign, hey, we spatchcock chickens. If I don't know what it is, I might just walk right by and be like, okay, well, you know, I'm not interested because I don't know what it is. And I walk by and I I do the rest of my thing. That one word that I don't know isn't going to derail my whole experience. That's for sure, right? It might have the advantage of making me curious. Maybe I go up to the meat section and say, hey, I hear you guys spatchcock chickens. What is that? And then they tell me and I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, actually, that sounds good. Let me, you know, let me get it. So it could actually, as I think you mentioned, upsell by causing curiosity. Right. And and for people who know exactly what it means, then, which is probably I'm imagining just like a pretty small subset of the random people who go in. Cool. Then they know exactly what it is, and it's letting them know, and now they can get that service at the store. That all sounds perfectly reasonable, but now I want to talk about it in a B2B context, say, if you go to somebody's website, which I think is a different enough experience that we we need to investigate a little bit. And let me explain what I mean. So if I went to a website, and this often happens, right? I find myself on a website. Let's just say I'm looking for, you know, I want a new CRM. I'm tired of the one I have. I'm shopping around. And if I go and like the headline, the first thing I see is a phrase that I don't know using language I don't understand. That's a problem because I, you know, that's a turnoff, right? Just number one, I don't really know what they're saying. And I might have, and if I'm still willing I might scroll down a bit to see if I can figure it out. But and if if it's just that one instance and then right below it is an explanation. Oh, okay, maybe I get it then. But if there's any more, if there's more jargon and it's not something that I can easily understand, then I'm gone. Right? That that sounds like a serious problem. And so, let's in a B2B context for something like that. Let's reframe the discussion a little bit. What are some strategies for using jargon in a good way?
1: And what are some ways that are not going to work probably? Sure. I think there are two really interesting points to make, you know, sort of underlying this in, in the example that you're using. One is, you know, basic marketing truths still matter, right? Like if jargon is focused on features rather than benefits, well, you're not talking your prospect's language then, and then you're you've got a problem. So, there, I think that's part of the issue that you you raised in this. And the other is, you know, sort of unique to website homepages in that you just don't know very much about who's coming to that page. You don't know where they are in their buying journey. You don't know their level of knowledge and sophistication. You just don't know what they're interested in. Right? If you have multiple. Service lines, product lines and, you know, different audience segments who might be coming. So which is very different than most interior pages to your website and certainly all landing pages that you may have set up for email marketing or pay-per-click advertising or other purposes. So on a homepage, I think jargon is probably a mistake almost always i'm sure there are some you know sort of edge cases where that it's going to work well and it's going to do what it needs to do which is demonstrate to your audience that you know what you're talking about mm-hmm. but i think that overall i would say that's a bad place to use it because you just don't know who your audience is and 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 you know all the reasons i just i gave a moment ago so to me being more strategic about it means having a better understanding of your audience. So. Mm-hmm the kind of brochure that you might send out to someone who has just landed on your website, you know, your sort of very initial first lead magnet kind of a thing. They're going to download this in exchange for their email address. That's got to be pretty plain language because you just don't know what they're talking about. If someone has expressed a a, a more sophisticated interest, a higher level interest, and that kind of indicates to you that they know more, then you can use jargon. In fact, you probably want to use jargon because it's going to demonstrate that you know what you're talking about and you know that your audience is educated enough to at least recognize the lingo, even if they aren't experts, right? I think underlying all of this is that ideally you want your audience to feel like an educated consumer, to borrow a a phrase from TV advertising a, a generation or so ago, an educated consumer who is making an informed decision on hiring an expert. You're the expert. You don't need to, you know, Push that in their face all the time, but they they're paying you because you've got some expertise. But they need to be feel that they they're an educated consumer. So go ahead.
0: Okay. Yeah. Good. So what what I'm hearing from that is the degree, the way in which, and maybe the degree to which you use jargon very much depends on your audience first of all, and also the the stage where your audience is relative to what you're how you're engaging them. Right. We could call it the the stages of the funnel, right? To use Absolutely. a jargon to use a jargony term. But that's a good example, right? The listeners to this podcast know what the funnel means. Right. If you're a B2B marketer, you're aware of that. And exactly. that goes for any audience, right? You can make certain assumptions about terms they use. Because at a certain point, if we couldn't use funnel, then maybe we'd have to use, you know, a longer explanation of what that is, and it becomes a little inefficient, right? Exactly. So that's just as an aside, that's sort of one example of like, I'm using jargon, but it kind of makes sense. But as, as again, what I'm taking from what you're saying is that near the top of the funnel, you want to default to less jargon, maybe no jargon, because as you said, you just don't know who's engaging. Exactly. And as I think the, the, the common thing is like write it, pitch it at like an eighth or ninth grade level kind of thing right, that, that I I suppose is meant to hit some kind of sweet spot with, I don't know what that says about our society, frankly, but if that's true, right, some sweet spot that anyone with basically a functioning brain can basically understand, right? Right. But then a little bit further down the funnel, say people sign up for a web, for a newsletter. And then like, okay, that's an intent, they're intentionally doing it. So you can assume anyone who signs up, is interested enough and knows enough about kind of your world and what you do that you can use at least somewhat more jargon as shorthand and not have to explain everything as you would to like a 5-year-old, right?
1: Right. Yeah, and I think that that's I, there's sort of two sides to that the same coin there. I will I'll push back a little on, you know, okay. I think what our simplistic writing, let's call it, in, in marketing says about our culture is that we're all rushed. Not that we're all stupid and that we mm. all read it a ninth grade level, but that we're all rushed. We're all probably skimming or, or scanning rather than reading deeply wherever we can get away with it uh, as business people. And so you have to write simply in order to, to have an impact, to make that connection. And I think that the other side of that coin is when you get deeper into the funnel, jargon helps with that. It's one word or a very short phrase that takes the you know the the place of as you pointed out a longer explanation. So I think that it's important for us to to keep that in mind that that's really the goal. How can I efficiently make the point I'm trying to make and let folks move on? You know, dig deeper, mm. not you know turn it into a a very long you know three paragraph treatise when it you know it really could be three sentences.
0: Okay, I think that's a really good point, and I think an important point that gets to the heart of how to use jargon strategically. And it all goes back to making the, the experience for your audience as frictionless as possible, right? Yes. As, as easy and smooth as possible. And there are times when jargon can cut against that in times when it can enhance it or facilitate it, right? It all right. depends on, as we were saying before, the context, exactly who your audience is, what stage they are. And so, When you think about it, when you break it down that way, it seems very kind of simple and straightforward. And yet there are plenty of examples out there of jargon used in all kinds of strange ways that that is not particularly helpful.
1: I agree. Yeah, I think the big example is not understanding who you're. Audiences, or or what you should be talking about. You're you're just trying to show off. And we've done a fair amount of work in in the pharma space, and there that is, you know, just so many acronyms and 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 mm-hmm. short so much shorthand. And you know, when you're talking to people, but the people who end up buying the medication that these pharmaceutical companies make don't care about any of that. Yeah. And you and and if you're in pharmaceutical marketing, you know every single one of those those phrases and acronyms you know without even thinking about it but they don't show up in the commercials that we see on tv and there's a reason for that you know that it's part of your world but it's in that case it's inside baseball to to use that phrase it is you know it is jargon in the in sort of the worst sense of the form and certainly that's I would say that's doubly true for anything that is internal language, right? If I don't know if that supermarket we were talking about earlier made up their own word for spatchcocking because they didn't like the word. Well, that's absolutely a no-no. You can't convince the rest of the world that this should be the, right. the, the phrase that describes that, you know, that service. So, I, I think you have to be careful in in both those instances.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, there is no improving on the word spatchcock. <laughs> I mean, that's just a terrific word. there's no you know how dare anyone even try to alter it or change it but but seriously i mean i think I think I encounter this kind of thing most often on like in early stage tech startups when they're early enough in their lifespan where they've focused pretty much on the product and sales, probably. And they just really haven't got into marketing quite yet. I mean, they have a website and they have messaging on it. But I think you can often tell when they don't they don't have like a content marketing team or or at least not a good one. Right. Because it's just the job of any good marketer to translate that technical stuff into language that the audience can understand, the audience can conceive broadly, can understand, right? right? And I think it's maybe that happens often because it's the lack of a marketer. You just, you know, the founder hasn't yet gotten there or realized that like, oh, we actually need someone with this special expertise to do that, that kind of translational work to take it from technical jargon into effective marketing copy.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point. And I think that startups are a really interesting case in part because you're right, they, they may not have that function in-house, but in almost every case, that's not, marketing isn't their focus at the beginning. Yeah. What's their focus is product development and fundraising, right? So they're out there trying to fundraise and it's gotta be you know 15 really tight slides to an audience that knows the buzzwords, knows what's going on, and all of a sudden they're marketing, quote unquote, grows out of that and it's still much too much a a fundraising pitch almost rather than actual marketing that's aimed at and going to connect with the the end user
0: right and so that's why we have an entire huge industry of marketing agencies that that will help you with that or why you bring in an in-house marketing team exactly for that reason exactly right for sure so okay
1: andrew so what's the main takeaway here for our listeners I would say the main takeaway is not to shy away from using jargon, but make sure that you're using it in a way that makes sense for who you are trying to connect with and that who really needs to be well-defined. It's not just I'm trying to connect with my prospects. It's I'm trying to connect with my early, middle, late stage prospects. I'm trying to connect with prospects who are well-educated about what they're buying, they're very close to making a decision, or folks who are just getting started and are considering all sorts of possible solutions to the the issue they're trying to address.
0: Very good. And I guess, you know, may, maybe we could also add, you can tell me what you think, especially like on the enterprise level, if you're dealing with not just a buyer, but a committee of buyers, and to know, well, it depending on who the individual people are, some might be totally fine with the jargon. Some might not. Right. So even in the same account with people kind of in the same stage of the cycle, you still might, might need
1: to differentiate in different pieces of content. Oh, absolutely. If you know that your, your audience is made up of a, a couple of different roles, whether it's, you know, a, a boots on the crown kind of a accountant or, or bookkeeping person who is going to make the decision in concert with, you know, a, a corporate CFO, yeah, you have to address their concerns pretty separately, right? They're, they're just not going to have the, the same concerns. In,
0: or using language that's going to resonate with them, right? That, even exactly. if they do, even if the concerns overlap, you can't articulate your, how you handle those concerns in exactly the same way, probably, for all the yeah. reasons we've just been talking about. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Well, one final question. How can folks connect
1: with you? Andigo's website, Andigo.com, A-N-D-I-G-O, is probably the best way to get get us. You'll find me on LinkedIn as well. And if you're interested in the book, you can reach out to me and I can send you a link. You'll also find it on Amazon.
0: Okay. Excellent. We're going to put links to all that stuff in the show notes. And meanwhile, Andrew, thank you so much for a great conversation. And I I learned a lot. I learned about spatchcocking. And I now I know that. You know, I walk away with like some concrete knowledge there. But but really, I just really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you.
1: Great. Thanks, Jeremy. I did as well. And glad I taught you something new in the kitchen.
0: That's it for this episode of the B2B content show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at That's c-o-n-n-versa.com.